0: I'm sorry, not 24. That's what Stephen is preaching next week. Verse number 11. Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood." And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the the, the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. This is God's word. Last week we looked at two parables that Jesus told, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin. And Jesus now tells a third parable to these Pharisees that have asked him this question. They have not actually asked him a question, they rather they've accused him of eating with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus responds as we saw last week with these two parables and with this third parable it gets a little bit more personal. Uh, Brother Jerry Eastwood came up to me last week, and he, he was marveling at the ratio of the lostness between the parables. You see, the first parable had one out of 99 lost. The second parable had one out of 10 were lost. This parable, one out of two. The Pharisees if they have not caught on to what Jesus is saying to them, they for sure are going to catch the idea now. This is a famous parable, perhaps the most famous of Jesus' parables. There are several that Jesus um, tells that are really famous. We've studied the Good Samaritan. No doubt that one's really famous. Um, we've studied the parable of uh, the seed and the sower. No doubt that one is, uh, is also famous. But this one seems to be the one that a lot of people just know by heart. There were two sons. One son demanded what he wanted, got what he deserved, and the other son had a problem with the other son. There are two sinners in this parable, and there is one father. First, we look at the sinful actions of the son. This son is is an interesting character. Um, It's perhaps the one that we relate to the most when we think of of this parable. What is it that made this son interesting? What is it that he did in this parable that made it so obnoxious, so uh, obscene, so disreputable? No, number one, his unholy demand. He demands his inheritance from his father at the beginning of the parable here in verse number 11. It says, give me the portion of goods that falls to me basically he's saying that it would be better off to me if you were dead you think about that i want the inheritance that you are going to leave me with but i want it now and what what does the father do the father doesn't argue with him he doesn't uh, convince him he doesn't try to persuade him otherwise what does the father do in verse number uh, 11 Give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. You see no argument from the father. You see no contesting of his demands. You see no uh, convincing of the son's um, uh, demands here. What does he do? He He just gives it to him. Let this be a warning to those of us that ask God repeatedly for things and he doesn't give them to us. Let this be a warning to you sometimes God gives you exactly what you ask for. This son certainly received what he asked for. Why was this also? Uh, this, was it, why was this such an unusual request as well? Well, inheritance was never discussed in the ancient times. In, in fact, uh, when it was time to receive your inheritance, uh, you, you have all the family members together. The, the oldest son would get two thirds of the property and the younger son would get one third of the property. But when you received the inheritance, you did not receive liquid assets. You did not receive just cash that you could go do something with. You received your share of the property. You received your share of the livestock. You received your share of the the buildings, the servants. Everything that the father would have owned, it was split and the assets divided between the sons when the father was dead. This son is not asking for that. He is asking for cold, hard cash. He's asking for the portion of the goods that belong to him. And so what, what does this father do? He, this, this son, he wants all of the benefits without any of the responsibility, first of all. Secondly, what does his father do? This father then has to liquidate the assets. He has to sell his livestock. He has to sell his, his um, house. He has to sell the portion of land that rightfully will belong to this son. He has to liquidate all of this and then he gives this big bag of cash to this younger son. And what does this younger son do? He goes and he departs into a far country. This was a dishonorable, unholy demand. This would have been unheard of in this culture. The Pharisees at this point would have been thinking to themselves, what an awful child. Why does the father give this child anything? Secondly, not only does he demand all of this, he, then he goes into a far country. Look at verse number 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. He doesn't stay in the same town. He doesn't stay in the same state. He doesn't even stay in the same country. He goes, he packs up his bags, and he goes to a far country where his father, no doubt, would not have known where he was. Nobody in the far country would have known who his father was, and now the son arrives in this country with no reputation. Everybody that meets this boy, this this son in the other country, just knows that he has a lot of money, and he begins to... Live it up. He begins to uh, party. He begins to go out with these people that, uh, no doubt, we that th- you would never be caught dead associating with the types of people that he would be associating with in this far country. He travels as far as possibly can to get away from his father, and he had no intention of ever seeing his father again. Do you know somebody that is running from God this morning? Perhaps you are running from the father this morning you see he what he was really doing was he wasn't just taking his money and running away and living it up he was declaring independence from his father some of you in this room may be declaring independence against your father some of you in this room may know somebody who has separated themselves from their heavenly Father. You see, sin separates you from God. It separates you from everybody who cares about you. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5, 12 says, Wherefore by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Once Adam sinned in the book of Genesis, a great gulf was created. And sin has separated you from your father. Sin separated this son from his father. He goes into a far country. He declares his independence. And what else does he do? He not only goes far away, but he also wastes the father's money. Verse number 13, we see it. There wasted his possessions with prodigal living. We're not told how long this son was in the far country, but perhaps it was a month, perhaps it was weeks, perhaps it was years. We, we don't really know how long the sun was in this country, but we do know that once the money ran out, a famine came. You may be sitting here this morning and you may, thinking to your, you may be thinking to yourselves, I've got it pretty good. I, I go to church sometimes, but church is not really for me. Jesus is not really for me I'm perhaps here because uh, I want to, to be here to honor my parents I want to be here on this special holiday I don't know who you are this morning but sometimes it seems like things are going pretty well until things do not go well at all keep reading here in verse 14 but when he had spent all there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. where were his friends now where were his buddies now? The extravagant living had not gained him any true friends. All these people in this other country, saw was a young man with money who would spend it on them to earn popularity. He had become so desperate now, he, nobody gave him anything. He became so desperate, he took the lowest job that any Jewish boy could ever take, and that is feeding pigs. He wasted his money, and then he joins himself to this worldly citizen. He, look at verse number 15. He went and joined himself to the citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. If you're listening to, G- listening to Jesus at this point, and you're a Pharisee, and you're, you're thinking to yourself, okay, first of all, this, this son deserves to be disowned. Second of all, why would this Jewish boy go to feed unclean animals of the citizen of the far country? This is the lowest of the low. This would have been uh, an inexcusable offense to a Jewish person. And and yet, this is how desperate he was at this point. My friend, sin will make you do things you never thought you would. Sin will take you farther than you ever want to go. And it will keep you longer than you ever want to stay. And it will cost you more than you ever want to pay. The prodigal son did not learn to be thankful for his father's belongings in his father's house. He did not learn to be thankful for his father's money while he was in the far country. He only learned that his father was good when he was in the pig pen. Are you in the pig pen this morning, my friend? Have you been running from God? You, you know, he, he comes and he have, he's having a good time. And Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25 says, there is pleasure in sin for a season. Sin is fun. If it weren't, we would not see so many people doing it. There's a whole lot of sinners out there. There may be a whole lot of sinners in here. You may have fun in your sin, but the book of Hebrews says there is a season. And you know, the funny thing about seasons is that seasons come and seasons go. You may be in the best part of the sin season right now, but I'm telling you, friend, the harvest is coming. The next season is coming. We were far from God, we, we wanted nothing to do with him. We were all like this prodigal son at one point. We were all happy in our sinful season, but there came a time, and there came a time for this prodigal son when he came to himself. Verse number 17, he came to himself and said, "'How many of my father's hired servants "'have bread enough and to spare?' and I perish with hunger. He said, the lowliest servants in my father's house have pantries stocked full, and they never go hungry, and they have a job, and they have an income. And here I am, the son of this significant nobleman. And what am I doing here? My friend, what are you doing there? You may be far from God this morning. You may be running as far as you can from God, and you may be having the time of your life right now. And I don't doubt that you are. But my friend, there is coming a day when your season will be over. You will be sitting in that pig pen. It may not be today. It may not be next week. It may not be a year from now. But there is coming a day whenever this season is over, the harvest is coming and the reaper is gathering up his harvest. He suddenly repents here in verse number 17. He comes to himself. He realizes, you know, my father's house wasn't all that bad. I I really had it better than I thought. And so he th- he comes up with a plan and he thinks to himself, I'm going to go back to my father. The prodigal son is a parable that is famous, perhaps for the wrong reason. We identify the best with the prodigal, the son that went to the far country and is now coming home. But, as in each of these parables, there is a main character. In the parable of the lost sheep, the main character was the shepherd. In the parable of the lost coin, the main character was the woman looking for the coin. And in this parable, I submit to you this morning, the main character is not the prodigal son. It is, in fact, the loving father. We see the righteous response of this father. What does he do? Number one, he sees his son from a great way off. Look at verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. What do you have to do to see somebody from far away? You have to be looking for them. The father was looking for his lost boy. He saw him and he had compassion on him. He, what does he do? He runs to him. This would have been unusual. Jewish men in these times didn't run to meet people. It would have been undignified, unbecoming. They would have had to hike their robes up and run And make themselves look like uh, fools they would not have had compassion on somebody they would not have displayed an outward um, affection to him look at verse number 20 he he saw him and he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him how scandalous how unusual how unbecoming of this father who this son who rejected everything that he had ever done for him He goes and he sees his son from far away. He's looking for him. Number two, he runs to him. Some of you may know the song, When God Ran. That is referring to this parable here. The father runs to the son. The son who has demanded from him, he's dishonored him. He departed from him. The father delights in him. The son has come home, and what does the father do? He has compassion on him. He runs to him. He is overjoyed that he has come back. Number t- the, the, the next thing that he does is he pours out grace to his son. Look at verse number 19. The son had a whole speech prepared for him. Uh, verse number 19, uh, verse, uh, rather 18, I will rise, go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best rope. The father, (laughs) he doesn't even let him get through his speech. He, He still had one more line. He still had... To say, make me like one of your hired servants. And the father doesn't even let him get through this rehearsed speech. Of the, what does the father do? He pours out grace, he brings out the best robe for the son. He says, Bring out the best robe, put it on him. What was this robe? This robe would not have been just a robe he had laying around in the coat closet by the front door. This, no, he says, Bring forth the best robe. Go into my wardrobe. Dig through my best banquet clothing. Go into the farthest reaches of my closet and reach for the best robe in the entire house. And I want you to take that robe and I want you to put that on my son. The the robes, it signifies the father's righteousness. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of his righteousness. This son who has sinned, he has spent so long away from home, spent all his father's money, and what does the father do? No, I am going to put the best clothing that I have on my son. What else does he do? He he brings a ring. He says, put a ring on his finger. What is a ring in this time? Uh, This was a symbol of authority. The father is not just welcoming the son back into the family. What is he also doing? He's also giving him the power to act in his stead. He is giving him the power of attorney. If anything happened to the father or if the father was away on a journey, the ring that the son wore gave him the authority to act on behalf of his father. This ring uh, was the, the very authority that these servants submitted to. Uh, I, Revelation chapter 1, verse, one says, verse 4 says this, Grace to you and peace from, God, from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the first form from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. He has made us kings yep. and priests. Amen. The book of Revelation says, this ring, put, get the best robe put it on him take my ring put it on his finger and not only do that but put the sandals on his feet servants in those days were barefoot but sons wore sandals he walking barefoot symbolically represents the jewish custom of remorse of penitence uh, of mourning you can look at the book of isaiah chapter 20 but what this son, whether this son sold his shoes to to eat or whether he lost them along the way, or whether he wore them out in the far country, he comes to his father's house barefoot, humble, dirty, filthy. And what does the father do? He put the best robe on him, put a ring on his finger, and get my son sandals for his feet. No son of mine is going to walk barefoot around my house. The sandals on his feet. And finally, we see the fatted calf. He goes and he tells his servants, servants, You know why we've been fattening this calf up? Because I knew my son would come back. Go out, kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. My son who was lost is found. My son who was dead is back. The father gives him a robe. He robes him in his righteousness. He gives him a ring. He gives him authority. He gives him sandals. He gives him his sonship back. He also gives him a great feast. Everybody is celebrating. And the father did not simply welcome the son back home. He honored him. Perhaps you're sitting here this morning and you know that you ought to come back to the father. You know that it is the right thing for you to do, and you're feeling it in your heart of hearts right now that you ought to repent, you ought to come to Christ, but perhaps you're afraid of how the father is going to treat you. Am I going to be punished? Am I going to be reduced to a lowly office? My friend this morning, the older brother may mistreat you. Other members of the church may mistreat you, but I'm here to tell you this morning, the father will never mistreat you. The father will never stop loving you. The father will never stop being there for you. The father will never stop loving you. Perhaps it's time for you to come home today. I don't know who's in here. I see a few new faces. And I don't know if you've ever received Jesus Christ as your Savior. But I'm telling you this morning, come home. Maria was a single mom. Her husband had passed away years ago. And she was now left to raise her daughter, Christina, by herself. They were a poor family. They didn't have much. Christina slept on a pallet for a bed, and Maria did what she could to earn uh, some some money for some food. And Christina grew up thinking to herself, I want to go into the big city and make make money, and I want to be somebody. Maria, her mother, knew exactly what the city would hold for her attractive daughter, and she did everything she could to prevent her daughter from leaving and going to the big city. But try as she might, as Christina grew older and older and grew into a teenager and now a young adult, after one evening, after one night, Maria went into her daughter's room and all of Christina's clothes were gone, all of her belongings were gone. Christina had left in the middle of the night to go pursue her dream of making her fortune in the big city. Maria, undaunted, The next day, hopped on the bus, and she made one stop. She went to the pharmacy, took all of the money that she could afford, and she purchased pictures of herself. She took a picture of herself, and she had as many prints as she could developed at this pharmacy. They had the prints printed out, put in an envelope, and she hopped on the bus and again took the bus to the big city. She got off in the big city and spent the entire day, she she tried to understand perhaps where her daughter had been. And she knows, she knew that this big city, there was only a few places where she knew her daughter would probably be. So she went to every bar, every nightclub, every hotel, every street corner that she could find. And she placed a picture of herself on the bar mirrors, in the bathroom mirrors, hotel lobbies, street corner, street poles, everywhere she could think that her daughter might see it, she placed a picture of herself. Eventually she ran out of pictures and got on the bus and went back home and spent the night in prayer. Next couple of days, Christina wandered around in the big city and after one morning, she stumbled out of a hotel room there. She had spent many nights in other rooms And she stumbled down to the lobby and looked at the hotel lobby mirror and she saw a familiar face, a picture of her mother. She ran up to it and she snatched it up. By this time, Christina had been worn out. She had run out of money. She had run out of food. She had been desperate now to find money to get her next meal and she was worn out. The light in her eye was gone and her laugh was no longer there and she sees this picture of her mother and she snatches it up, she she looks at it and she turns it around and there was a note from her mom that said, Christina, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, it doesn't matter, I love you, come home. All around this city. There are pictures of Jesus. There are steeples of churches all around this city. There are Christians all around this city, pictures of Jesus. You interact with them perhaps each day, but you've never made Jesus your own. And the picture that Jesus is leaving for you this morning, the picture of him on the cross, this message that he wants you desperately to hear from me this morning, it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. I love you. It's time to come home. The father loves his son. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Father, we come to you today. We're thankful for that. This final parable in this series of three, although we like to focus on The Son, as we are wont to do, we are tend to focus on ourselves. Lord, I pray today that we would turn our focus from the Son and turn our focus to the Father. Thank you, Lord, for saving each of us. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice that you made, and we thank you for the numerous messages that you've left for us throughout our lives and in this city. And I pray that if there is somebody here that does not know you as their savior. They cannot truly claim you as their father. That you would speak to them today, that, that little longing in their heart that is awakened this morning, that they would respond to it. That you would call them back into your sheepfold, that you would find them again on this string of coins, and that you would welcome them back into your household. If you're sitting here this morning with everybody's head bowed and every eye closed, if you're sitting here this morning... And you don't know. You're far away from home. You may be having the time of your life right now, but you're not home. You don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you'd like to know. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is a Savior even for you, no matter what you've done. If that is you this morning and you'd like to find out how you can know for sure that Jesus is your Savior, would you you do me the honor of raising your hand this morning? If you're not sure this morning, if heaven is your home. Father, we come to you today. Lord, we are thankful again for this message. We're thankful for the parable of the prodigal son. We pray today that we would mimic this father that we would not be like these Pharisees who are questioning and accusing Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning and allow it to take root in our hearts. These things we ask in Jesus' name. If God spoke to your heart this morning as the piano plays right now, there is an altar here ready for you. If you are here and you're not sure that Jesus is your savior, I invite you to come. There are men and there are women here that would be more than happy to show you the gospel. They would be more than happy to illustrate and teach you what it means to know for sure you have your sins forgiven and you have a home in heaven. Would you come this morning? Church, you're here this morning and perhaps you don't know or whether you know that you have not been acting like the Father. You have not been the image of the Father that Jesus would like you to be. If that's you this morning, would you take stock of your heart? Evaluate how you view the lost son. thank you again today for your word. Thank you for this church. We ask that the parable of the prodigal son would have a new meaning to us as we focus on the main character and that we would leave here today with a renewed vigor and a renewed burden for those who are lost. We love you, Lord. We ask for your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to see some things that are coming up now at River City Baptist Church. Happy Father's Day, and thanks for joining us as we take a look at some upcoming connection opportunities for you and your family here at River City Baptist Church. Vacation Bible School is one of the biggest events of the year for the kids of our church and our community. And this year will be no exception as we prepare now for an incredible week. Each night is action packed with exciting activities and challenging lessons from God's word.